Welcome to Spiritual Naturalism Today, a conversation on science, nature, and spirituality. Our program is sponsored by the Spiritual Naturalist Society with host Daniel Strain. Hello, and thank you for listening. I'm Daniel Strain, and this is my co-host, B.T. Newberg. Hello. And co-host, Lee Anderson. Hello. Today, we're going to be talking about building a spiritual practice, and that includes a lot of different things. Uh, What does it mean to have one? What is it for? How to build it? Getting into it? Building good habits? Sharing from and learning from one another? And... uh, just about everything about that process. So um, we kind of jumped into this today because uh, we wanted to discuss um, between each other and let you guys hear our discussion about the topic itself. Do you guys have any uh, questions about what our topic is today, VT or Lee? Well, (laughs) what is our topic here exactly? Okay, so yeah, that's that's the first question. What do we mean by practice, right? Um, if I can jump in the way I see it. Sure. I interpret practice. We're talking about this in the context of spirituality, right? But in naturalistic spirituality, I interpret practice in the least spiritual way I can think of. <laughs> um, the most mundane way you can think of. Like practice makes perfect kind of practice. That's the kind of practice that I'm thinking of. But what you're making perfect are mental habits. It's things that you do over and over again to train your mental habits in new ways that are conducive to personal growth of some kind. Okay. I think that's fair. Um, What about you, Lee? What do you think? Yeah, I agree with uh, what BT says. And from my perspective, too... Um, the practice can also include, you know, your background in other areas such as Buddhism or paganism or something like that. But practice for us is how we incorporate the spiritual naturalist concepts into our own spiritual practice. Yeah, that's a good point, too, because if we import the term from from Buddhism, they often talk about their their Buddhist practice, and it's a more like holistic, integrated thing. So there's really kind of two levels that we can define it on. Where I was talking about was specific individual exercises, um, and it sounded like Lee, what you meant was was kind of more the like overall like your your life how, your life stance and how you integrate your ideas into actual daily yes. living. Is that right? Exactly, and it's going to be different for each of us because we don't have one consistent way, you know, that um, we all perceive even the word practice as it is or what we do. Yeah, I kind of uh, look at it like a, a very holistic kind of thing throughout, you know, but at the same time, there are these specific practices, uh, whether it's uh you know, walking meditation is a specific practice or, um, I don't know, <laughs> we could name a lot of different ones. But well, we probably should, actually. Let's get some good yeah. examples. Yeah, absolutely. So, so meditation, right, is a good, is a good that's, one. That's the easy first one that comes off the top of your head. You know? yeah. Right. Meditation. But it also doesn't have to be all that uh, 
spiritual sounding either. I mean, mm-hmm. running can be a practice in the sense that we're talking about. I would consider it that if you're doing it um, as as a means of sort of cultivating your your mental state, like sort of cultivating discipline, cultivating endurance um, and perseverance, things like that. Um, or sometimes I've even run sometimes in a way where I try to keep my thoughts just on like what's ahead of me and not any other interfering thoughts. So it's, then it's kind of halfway between like a, a regular exercise run and like a walking meditation, or in this case, a running meditation. <laughs> yeah, sometimes yeah. it's like a, uh, it can also be like a trying to cultivate a certain perspective. You know, you, 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 you can enunciate a perspective in words, but trying to really picture or see things from a certain point of view and trying to internalize that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can be done by listening to music. So music can be, of course, a, a spiritual practice. Yeah. Various rituals that people mm-hmm. do. Um, when I go to the uh, uh, Buddhist temple, I bow when I come into the room. That's a ritual. But I have a reason for doing that. Um, it helps me in that moment in time to focus my attention. And so I, I think some of the practices are geared toward developing a long-term thing, cultivating compassion or empathy. Others are geared toward uh, getting into the right frame of mind or the right uh, the right kind of disposition for what you're about to do, maybe some other set of practices. Mm-hmm. Right. And then was- some practices I call integrated practices are just a kind of thing that you really integrate throughout your day like how you carry yourself. We talked about demeanor practice in that one episode. So, Yes. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about things, normal things that people do, like photography. And these days, you know, people are big on taking their selfies and things like that. But you can also <laughs> specifically do contemplative photography, you know, uh-huh. where you're mm-hmm. going out and you're looking for you know, those spiritual aspects uh, that you're seeing through your camera like that, too. That's yeah, wonderful. That's, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Things like that, like we're keeping a gratitude journal or just any yes. kind of journal. Yes. Um, or even just talking to a friend. Um, I have a friend that we have a once a week email exchange about what's what's going on in our lives and, and um, um, more than just kind of like gossip and chat it's it's kind of like you know what are you dealing with kind of emotionally Mm -hmm. that week and that's very much part of my practice yeah you know a friend of mine uh i well i say friend but um she's really more of an acquaintance it's someone that my wife and i met a long time ago she lives in another city but uh now we know her on facebook so we're facebook friends you know but uh we see her posts and everything and um she has uh, uh, various kinds of uh, spiritual practices that she writes about in her blog and all this, very interesting stuff. And one day she posted to her local friends um, asking them to come over and share sacred space and drink tea and have conversation. And it was really just a, you know, it's like a, a social time, but the way that she framed it and the way that it was about, it was a very, uh, a really cool thing. And I thought, man, that would be really fun to do with my friends. And um, so you can have these communal practices. Uh, I like drum circles. Mm-hmm. 
and so drum circle, and I don't get to participate in them as often as I wish I could, but um, that's an example too of a, of a communal practice. But it's also helpful, I think, to note that any one of these activities, where whether it's running or uh, photography, like you said, or or uh, any of these kinds of things, socializing, music, um, and even yes, sitting there with your eyes closed. Any of those things can be not a spiritual practice. They can be just being done for some kind of surface reasons or mundane reasons or just pure entertainment or whatever. So it very much is about the, uh, the mindset and the approach of it. Um, and then there's these things so, like. So hold on, hold on there though. So, mm-hmm. so what then, what then is spiritual about it? Them. Yeah, like what, let's what, take what the example. What do we mean by spiritual for listeners who haven't maybe heard us before? That's right. Uh, so let's take for example the running. Um, I got the impression, and photography, even uh, in your case, Lee, I, I got the the impression when both of you were talking about that, you're talking about something other than just you went outside your house and ran, or mm-hmm. you went outside your house and started taking pictures of things. Um, there's something else going on in there, and that is the subjective internal state and the disposition from which you're doing the thing. Um, that so much matters. Um, if you come into a room and you bow, well, if you're doing that because there's some person who's going to judge you whether or not you bow because it's considered etiquette, and that's one thing. If you do it in another state of mind, that's another thing. So. Really, all of these things are about what effect is it having on you, on your psyche, on your mental habits, like you said, uh, BT. And, um. So it's about growth. Yeah, I would think so. About growth, development, um, moving toward being a different kind of person that you choose to be, that you're working on things about yourself. Yeah. So from a naturalistic perspective, I tend to interpret spirituality as, as, being connected to a sense of meaning, um, a sense of connection with other people and with, with your environment and the world, um, and with a sense of, of personal growth. Those are kind of like the big things for me in terms of what spirituality means when we talk about it from a naturalistic point of view. I think it also includes a, a purpose. You know, you're, right. you're doing it purposefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's an excellent point. And it also, I think if you imagine a person who does not have a spiritual practice in the sense that we mean it, um, that might be a person who they go to work, their mind is occupied by the things of work. At the end of work, they, they're driving home, complaining about the traffic, whatever, maybe listening to some music and enjoying the music on the radio. They get home, they see their kids, they they might uh, really enjoy seeing their kids and have a good time, or they might have a bad time that evening, whatever. They do dinner, they watch TV, when it's time to go to bed, they go to bed. And, you know, all these things are happening, and there's good feelings in there and bad feelings in there, and all of these things are developing you in some way. They're They're shaping you as you go through life. The question is, are you engaging in time and space and and activities at certain points where you are consciously 
engaging in them for the purpose of developing yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the purpose that Lee was talking about. Yeah. yeah. And intentionality. Intentionality, right. Because you're going to be right. shaped in some direction. If there's no intentionality, then you will develop along some line. Right. The question is, are, are you going to end up being the kind of person you want to be and have the kind of life you want to have? Right. Um, so uh, awareness. Um, yeah, so, I think awareness is big because otherwise those things that you're doing, even if you meditate and you run and everything, they're basically just habits, you know. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you subscribe to, you know, the idea that you you have a goal of where you want to be as a person, and um, you know have you have uh, you know certain beliefs about um, the universe and how it works, and how come that's not enough to get where you want to go? I mean, let's say you've decided what your opinions are on the supernatural. You know, <laughs> we as as naturalists are like, yeah, not so much. Um, you know, so you've you've kind of got all your beliefs squared away. So. Are we good? Is that going to get us where we want to go? What do we need to do? Well, the there's a lot of things to believe about reality that are um, without going into the supernatural. There's a lot yeah, of different kinds of things about reality we might believe um, or focus on, such as the interconnectedness of everyone and the... Uh, connectedness of my happiness to your happiness. Those are things that are all part of the universe and we can choose to focus on those or not. But once we focus on them or once we decide, you know, this is what I believe or whatever, to me, it's very much about the difference between a person who has been told something and a person who has lived it and the living through something um, obviously, the more experience you get in life, the wiser you tend to get about at least that thing. And experiencing it firsthand, you know, to me, the, the reason of just having your opinion about the world isn't enough is because you're just, you're just enunciating thoughts and opinions. It's all intellectual in a way. Um, it's just you're, you're making statements about things. But do those things really shape how you behave and how you think, more importantly, how you think, how you respond to the world moment to moment? Like we all know it's not helpful to get angry and insult some our friends or family. Uh, then we got to go back and apologize and stuff like that. So why did we have to go back and apologize? Where was that person who apologized a few minutes ago when they were doing the thing they're apologizing for that person was absent. Um, so if we can take that knowledge of, I shouldn't be doing this or I should be doing this other thing and have it be integrated into our character, integrated into our personality naturally and deeply, that's what the practice is about. That's the mental habit. It's, it's more than just, you know, I believe that, uh, you know, we're all interconnected. Okay, well, that sounds wonderful, but do I actually operate as a being that lives in an interconnected universe naturally? When things happen, do I naturally respond in that way? Or do I have to constantly remind myself and then readjust myself? Yeah, exactly. And how, how, how do you move from that one person to the other person? 
from the person who is like, well, this is what I would do to the person who is like, this is what I actually do in a situation, right? Living according to your beliefs. How do you move from that? And I think the answer we're looking for is, yeah, practice. Practice right. is what you need in order to do that, right? Right. Because we need to retrain our mental habits. That's the thing is we've got habits. And um, a, a, a belief that you have is very much like, um, you know, very much on the tip top of your cranium there, but there's so much more below. Um, and in, in the uh, SNS course that we have on offer at the, at the society, the way that I explain it is um, in terms of uh, psychological theory about how the mind works called dual process theory, where there's a system one that's kind of like the kind of mental reasoning that you think of when you actually hear yourself reasoning something through in your head, um, kind of a conscious thinking. But the other one is the kind of reasoning that your mind does unconsciously. You know, like, for example, to figure out where to put your hand or to catch a ball, you don't think about it, but somewhere in your, your mind has reasoned out where to put your hand. And there's so much that we take for granted that our mind just does without us even realizing um, that is down on that deeper level called system two. And that you want to be able to find a way to retrain your system two habits. And it's not enough just to change your beliefs with system one. So what we need to do is we need to have uh, the individual practices, the trainings, in order to try to do that. Um, and then if we do that enough, then it becomes new habits that just flow out of us without us having to think about it. And then that's where all of it kind of comes together as sort of a holistic life path to the other kind of practice that we're talking about. Like, well, this is how I live my life. This is my practice. So that's kind of how I see the big picture of it coming together. And that's where the spiritual growth comes also, because you you have to always be growing. Otherwise, you know, you're stagnant if you you have your beliefs and everything. But if you're not always looking to, um, you know, at more, more information, more intelligence, etc., like that, that's how you get the spiritual growth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's definitely a growth of um, changing from one set of habits to another. It takes a lot of patience and a lot of diligence um, because there's a lot of repetitives in it. A lot of times where we'll stumble and we got to just keep, keep, keep and build right. the habit. Which is itself a, a, a practice where you're training the habit of forgiving yeah. yourself. Another part of the practice, at least for spiritual naturalists, I think, is the building of the practice. So, if you're part of a, uh, a very traditional kind of uh, religion or what have you, you're kind of handed the whole thing all at once. Here's what you do. You mm -hmm. go to church and you pray or you, you go to temple and you meditate or you, you do this or you do that. Or, and you read these things. Here's what you read. And, okay, that informs me the perspectives and then I do the practice. Um, but with a spiritual naturalist, we are um, – we can vary. We can say, well, I'm a, I'm a naturalistic uh, Buddhist or I'm a naturalistic pagan. And so you kind of like concentrate on those things. Or you can be somewhat eclectic. You can take bits and pieces from where you you feel that you have a connection, uh, either because of your personality or your background. There's certain things that draw you toward certain practices. It's also nice, by the way, to get out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. try, some, try some different things that you wouldn't necessarily have imagined 
you might like or find useful. Mm -hmm. But in that building, you know, that to me, that's a, there's a lot of wondrous exploration that can go on there because everything we're talking about, of course, is can be found in Buddhism. It can be found in Taoism. It can be found in a lot of different traditions, bits and pieces of it. And uh, not just bits and pieces, but very elaborate systems that are very detailed and, and you can go very far down the rabbit hole exploring these things. If you are a naturalist and you have pretty sound ideas about uh, a humble approach to knowledge, which we've talked about before, sound ideas about a healthy skepticism and, and uh, making sure that you're not taking claims at face value about the world, but you can navigate those things and you can say, well, this looks like something I can put into practice and try out and see how it works for me. Um, so that experimentation, I think, is a, is a fun and exciting part. Yeah, I agree. It was Stephen Batchelor mentioned last week the religious checklist. Um, you know, and we don't have a specific checklist, but we can pull bits and pieces, you know, that fit in within our naturalistic framework for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, why don't we talk a little bit about our own personal practice and see uh, pra practice yeah, both cool. in the big sense and the, in the smaller sense and, and kind of compare and contrast and share. Do you want to go first, BT? Uh, sure. Okay. Um, so my practice does, I, I switch it up a little bit every now and then. Um, so I'll just talk about my current practice. And I keep it going for you know, kind of months on end. So one is um, I meditate for at least 20 minutes every day. And the kind of meditation that I do is more or less a breath meditation um, modeled after the Vipassana Buddhist kind of style. Um, but with a little bit of difference than normal. Normally you try to focus as much as possible on the sensations of the breath as it goes in and out of your nose in order that you can practice focusing your mind and, and uh, any thoughts or feelings or other distractions that come up, you set them aside and go back to the sensations of the breath. Um, so you're also practicing uh, not letting your mind get distracted. Um, and that's kind of how I do it, but I actually I try to pay as little attention as possible to the breath, like just barely, just barely on the breath, with the uh, intention that if I do that, then a lot more thoughts and feelings and other things will arise in my mind and I'll have a lot more um, opportunities to practice noticing what's going on in my mind. Because I think that's what's really helpful as you go through life. It's not being able to focus on the sensations of your breath going in and out. That's a means to an end. What's really helpful is just to notice when you have a feeling when you're talking to somebody and you start to get a little bit angry, you want to notice that at the, the earliest possible moment. You don't want your friend to say, why are you getting angry? And you're like, I'm not getting angry. I'm not getting angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you want to be able to notice those things right away if possible. And it's hard. It's hard. That's why we need to practice it. That's why we need to train. So that's one thing. It's meditation. Another thing I've already mentioned uh, was a, is a weekly check-in with one of my friends over email. 
and we've been doing this for over a year now. Um, it was a year last May. Uh, couldn't believe it because it's just it's something we look forward to now. It's it's pretty cool. Um, so we help our th each other through problems, kind of you know what we're working on that week in terms of personal growth, etc. Um, and uh, I suppose in, in a sort of informal way, I also consider it a part of my practice to pay attention to how I'm relating to my my wife, um, and to make sure that I'm, I'm doing as much as I can to promote a healthy relationship rather than an unhealthy one. Um, for example, uh, I had often noticed that uh, when she would come home, uh, I'd be in the middle of some, doing something, I'd be concentrated on it, and I would feel her kind of coming in a little bit as a distraction and get a little bit of annoyed, but that's not fair to her. Um, so now what I do is I very consciously, when she comes in, finish up what I'm doing and then I close the laptop and move to a different chair and then give her my full attention until we've kind of you know had our little time together and then I can go back to do what I'm doing what I was doing but you know bringing some kind of intentionality to a healthy relationship too is a pretty important part of life for me that's great that's great and so um, meditation weekly check-in with friends inner interaction with mm -hmm. our loved ones exactly. um, um, so you've got a, a bit of uh, attention practice a bit of uh, compassion empathy going on and a bit of uh, probably learning and and uh, thoughtfulness uh, being exchanged there with the weekly check-in those are our neat mixtures um, what about you Lee what, what do you kind of uh, look to as, as the things that as, you as use my... to cultivate yourself yeah, it's my practice. Uh, daily, I'm one of those people, I get up in the morning and I do morning pages. And I've done those for probably over 10 years or so. I've just recently what is read that? some. What is that? Morning pages is supposed to be, you get up in the morning and the very first thing before you do anything else, you write out, handwrite um, three pages of just what's in your mind and you get it out you know mm -hmm. on a page um the time that it's supposed to take is 20 to 30 minutes and i write really slow so i only get two pages in within that uh i, I was only getting two pages in but recently i read that you're supposed to write as fast as you can in order for uh, your hand to keep up with your brain. Mm. You're not supposed to think about what you're writing, which I kind of think is what I had been doing. So it's only been a week. I've been writing as fast as I can in the morning, and I'm seeing a big difference, and I'm getting out just, you know, all that stuff to where suddenly I'll get to maybe the last half of the last page, and I can't think of anything. And that's mm. where you're supposed to be with that, you know. Oh, so I do that. I do that first before I meditate because I think I'm probably ADHD and I get distracted really easily when I meditate. So that helps, you know, in that perspective. And then I sit down and uh, I meditate. And I, I do 10 to 15 minutes of meditation per day. I do, if I'm feeling like I can concentrate, I do the breath meditation and concentrate on my breath. Uh, if not, I'll put on headphones and do a guided meditation, you know, and that works uh, fine 
for me too. And then at night, uh, before I go to bed, I do a, a gratitude journal where I just list the five things that I'm grateful for, you know, during the day. And I, I really try hard not to repeat things, to really think of, you know, individual mm. things that happen during the day uh, that I'm grateful for. <clears throat> and so those are the daily habits that I have. Um, and during the week, I try to walk a few times and do kind of mindful walking. And since I live out in nature, you know, it's easy enough for me to just get up and, and walk out around here for 20 to 30 minutes. That's really cool. I had never heard of the, um, the, the morning, morning pages. pages. No, I think Julia, it's... I was going to say Julia Cameron is the author and, um, um, she wrote a book called the artist way. And it's basically for what she wrote it for was for people who are creative, but you know, they, they sit down and I guess it's like writer's block or something like that. This helps get out all those mundane thoughts, yeah. you know, out of your head when you get up. I find it especially interesting because, you know, there's a, a, a fantastically large segment of the population that, you know, for as much as we talk about meditation, it's not for everybody and it's not going to be for them. Uh, but it's, it, that's something, that's one possible alternative where you're, you're cultivating a very similar kind of habit, which is um, paying attention to what's in your, in your mind. But instead of having to kind of sit down on a cushion or, or do some kind of like, you know, traditional Buddhist looking thing or something, um, mm -hmm. you're writing it out. Yeah, right. that's, that's really great. As an artist, I'm especially interested in that. I think I'm going to start trying that. I'm going to read a little bit about it too. Um, that's really great. Thank you. You, you should. That. You should read the book. Okay. Um, so you, you do the morning pages, uh, meditate, mm -hmm. sometimes various types, uh, and gratitude journal. That's a wonderful, yeah. wonderful thing. Um, for myself, I, uh, I do meditation. Some of these are things that I do regularly. Some of them are things I try to do regularly, but I kind of phase in and out of the good habit of it or the bad habit of it. And then I try to get back into shape again with it. And, um, and then some are these things that are just occasional that are supposed to be occasional. Um, like for example, meditative art. Um, I decided a while back, um, I've been an artist my whole life, come from a family of artists. And, um, at some point, let's see. Okay. So I went to school, uh, and got my degree in fine art. And then of course it's hard to make a living with painting, sculpture, that kind of stuff. So I ended up getting into graphic art at work. And eventually I got to this point where I never felt like doing art because I was doing graphic art all day, you know? So mm -hmm. I got out of that profession, kind of migrated out of it. And even after that, I still, it wasn't fully satisfied until I decided a couple of years ago that from now on I would only do art when the muses uh, gave me permission. When, <laughs> when the muses told me it was time to do art, then I would do art. So I'd have to feel the proper motivation and feel like, and it's totally different when you're in that, in that zone, you know what I mean? It, it, the, the, the actual, what I produce is I'm so much happier with, but, um, so that means that I don't do art now for uh, profit or for – not that there's anything wrong with that for people that do. It's just for me, I decided I would just keep it strictly in that 
kind of only when I, I feel that movement. So when I do, I, I try to meditate. I usually, the subject matter now is a lot more kind of, I guess you'd call it spiritual art or whatever. And the, uh, the mode that I try to get into as I do the art is a kind of a meditative state. It allows me to do a lot more intricate, long-term kinds of works that you normally would get really impatient with. Um, so I guess that's a kind of meditation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, just, you know, your very standard uh, breathing meditation. I try to do uh, 15 minutes of that a day. And uh, I thought that was really interesting what you said, BT, about the uh, the way that you do it by focusing as little on the breath as you could so you could see what it arose. I actually believe in, uh, for myself, I like to really intensify that focus and try to get really good at focusing on a really boring thing mm-hmm. because um, it's usually the boring things by boring, I mean the, the repetitive, always there, that we most have to appreciate and to really have an enjoyable life, and we tend to overlook them. So maintaining that constant mindfulness and constant state of awareness is what I try to develop. And that's there's all kinds of different ways to do the meditation. They're all legitimate, and they're all... I think uh, what you described is really great for exploring what's going on below and... Uh, like you said, being aware of, of, of it as it rises. And I've been focusing more on developing the ability to stay focused yeah. without your mind jumping all over the place. So that's totally, you know, there's all kinds of your whole, your mind is a gymnasium and there's mm-hmm. all kinds of different things in the gymnasium that work out different muscles. So that's all legitimate. It's all wonderful. That's what I do. And then, um, I uh, also do some yoga from time to time, not as much as my wife says I should, but um, I uh, just for health flexibility reasons. But when I do it, this is an example of what we were talking about earlier. When I do it, I try to also, you know, involve my mind in a way. And uh, to me, reading is an important part of my practice. Um, and by reading, I don't mean reading Facebook wall or whatever. I mean, or <laughs> Uh, you know, I try to, you know, come up with some a book or some kind of, uh, you know, uh, it could be scriptures from something. It could be old stuff. It could be new stuff, but stuff that has to do with all the stuff we've been talking about. Um, right. You know, a little bit of learning about that and try to set aside some time for that. And journaling is one of those things that I kind of phase into and out of. I'll do it for a while, kind of get me in order, and then I'll stop for a while and then <laughs> feel like I need to do it again. But when I'm journaling, I do kind of a Seneca-style Stoic journaling. Um, and that's that's kind of a thing where you examine uh, how you did that day and then you also write about what you plan to do tomorrow to be better and mm. uh, that sort of thing. I really like your gratitude journal uh, that you do, though. Um, I, I'm, I should try to mix in some things. I meant to mention before, I've also started capping my mindful met, mindfulness meditation with loving-kindness meditation at the beginning and end um, because I wanted to kind of balance out that... Uh, non-attachment with some compassion aspect. Um, 
Let's see, what else? Uh, oh, and then things that go throughout the day. Demeanor practice, we talked about in another episode. Um, maintaining a compassionate demeanor and a state of mind. And uh, also an empathy awareness kind of thing. I wrote an article about uh, harvesting happiness, which talks about trying to empathize with other people around you and be happy about their happiness and the things happening for them. I try to like do little thoughts experiments throughout the day as I'm observing people and um, so that's basically uh, what I most do um, and so I think we're coming pretty close to the end of our time um, hopefully the people listening have we've given them something to think about and something exciting to look into yeah and I think the real life examples uh, are more than anything probably are probably a really good um really good le lesson i guess um because it, any individual practice is, is going to be for some people and not for other people you know sure. it's going to appeal to different personalities and the amount of energy that you feel on you know on the average and um so yeah I, you know not everybody's a meditator not everybody is into ritual not everybody's mm -hmm. into running but something like that is going to hit and um, and it also just to note that a lot of this stuff um, is also now being um, looked into by um, by scientific studies and things, and uh, so a lot of them are, are finding pretty good um, evidential backing behind them. Uh, the gratitude journal has gotten some pretty decent um, uh, uh, scientific evidence showing that it does in mm. in increase happiness and increase gratitude. Um, exercise, mindfulness, meditation is getting to be a big one. Compassion meditation is also mm -hmm. being um, found to be pretty useful. Um, so yeah, um, it's, it's, we're not just relying on tradition here or extrapolating from tradition. Like there's, there's some pretty good science going on on this stuff now. Yeah, that's really exciting to see. Uh, I think a, a, a spiritual naturalist approach is to take that and be open to it and uh, maybe even consider it a, a wonderful source of continued inspiration and in informing our practice so that we become even more effective with how we're doing things. Mm -hmm. um, then also what we're doing here, uh, not just in this podcast, but in the society and in people who participate in their local organizations, the Sangha, as the Buddhists put it, the, the spiritual community, I think is an important thing. This is a, uh, really a, a extension of what you've already mentioned BT with how you touch base with your friend I mean interaction with others who are also going through different practices and sharing our experiences with one another and uh, learning from one another because none of us are gurus none of us are masters none of us are enlightened so we all benefit by uh, sharing and learning from one another I think that's an important thing too um, Anything else before I wrap up? I want to mention your course to everybody. October 1st. Is that it? Oh, is it October? Yep. It's the first Sunday in October. The first there. Sunday in October. Yes, which yeah. may not be the first. I'm looking right here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the uh, October 2nd is when that course begins. Yeah, but that. It, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, that's um, Introduction to Spiritual Naturalism and... Um, Lee is a recent graduate of that course. She took the course along with several <laughs> other students just this last month, and it was fantastic having her as a student. It's awesome. 
Um, and uh, yeah, so basically what the course does is it gives a well-rounded introduction to spiritual naturalism and all its different varieties, which includes secular Buddhism, naturalistic paganism, Christian naturalism, humanistic Judaism, and a whole bunch else. Um, and kind of really knits together all the different kind of topics that we're talking about here um, and provides kind of a underlying structure for it. Um, we use some scientific uh, models and theories that are backed by evidence to kind of show how, yep, this isn't just made up. <laughs> you know, stuff that we care about as naturalists. Um, so yeah, that's going to be next fall. And I would love to see you there. Yeah, we've gotten loads of really positive feedbacks about previous sessions uh, that BT has put on. Uh, it's a really great course. I hope you guys check it out. And um, starts October 1st, I mean, October 2nd, first Sunday of October. <laughs> and uh, it is, you can go to our website at spiritualnaturalistsociety.org and uh, check out the, click on the podcast link and uh, you can read all about it in detail and you can uh, register there. So uh, anything else you guys want to say about spiritual practice before we wrap up? Uh, I think we've, I think we pretty much hit it on the head um, yeah, about how yeah. the, the, the main, the, the main takeaways, if I, if I could put a bow on it, the main takeaways for me is what's practice. Well, it's, it's both um, the exercises and trainings that you do in order to make progress toward your goals. And then it's also sort of your life stance and the sense of intentionality and purpose that you take to your integrated lifestyle and that whole sense of personal growth. And the examples that we've talked about included not only stuff like meditation and ritual, but also the gratitude journal, the meditative art, the, the running, the uh, talking to um, significant people in our lives in an intentional way. Um, so, and all of that is done with a certain intentionality to develop mental habits that are conducive to growth. Yes, and ultimately happiness. And ulti yes. ultimately happiness. Happiness both in the sense of, you know, both in the sense of sort of like that pleasurable feeling that we call being happy, but also in the sense of a meaningful life, like a happy mm. life. A deeper, joyful life. Uh, yeah. Eudaimonia, as the yeah, Greeks would exactly. say. Yes. All right. Uh, do you feel like you, you covered it pretty well, Lee? <laughs> I think so. Okay. Yes. Well, of course, we could talk forever about this kind of thing, but, you know, in 30 minutes or so, we try to give just a, a general overview, enough to maybe stimulate some ideas for you, the listener. And, uh, and also, if you want to comment on our page or this site, you can go to our website, click on the page for this uh, episode, and Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think and uh, what your your own practices are and your own experiences are. We'd love to hear from you. So thank you, everyone. Take care. Take care. Goodbye. This program was sponsored by the Spiritual Naturalist Society. Learn more and become a member at spiritualnaturalistsociety.org. Our music was composed by John Clemisrud. Jay Forrest is our technical director. Please share our program and join us next time on Spiritual Naturalism Today.